The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today, we have a special guest. She's actually returning. She's been with us before, Nina Simons, who is a social entrepreneur. She's the co-founder and previously co-president of the Bioneers and the Bioneers Conference. She's also previously president of Seeds of Change and director of strategic marketing for the company Oddwalla back in the 90s. So, Nina, welcome to Leading Conversations again. Thank you so much, Cheryl. I'm really happy to be back with you. It's great to have you here. So um, the last time we spoke was several months ago, just before the Fall Bioneers Conference, and it was a grand success. The conference. The conference. Yes, it was. <laughs> yes, it was a terrific time. And during that time and during our last um, radio show with you, we spoke about your work in leadership. It's specifically about reinventing leadership. And um, you have continued to evolve that work, and we're here today to talk about kind of your thinking and what I consider kind of leading-edge thinking around women and leadership and also more a style of leadership that lends itself to the, uh, the feminine side of the brain, right? So, Nina, let's talk a bit about... Um, why why this whole issue even matters to you? Why is a different way of being a leader important? Well, that's a great question, Cheryl. Um, you know, I, I uh, am fond of noting that I've had the benefit of 20 years of graduate school through Bioneers, uh-huh. and that's been an extraordinary source of education and insight for me because I've had the opportunity to... Uh, observe and learn from leaders in every field of endeavor, um, you know, really leaders of every age and leaders who uh, came to be featured at Bioneers because they had innovative approaches to um, responding to some of our most pressing social and environmental challenges. And so that's part of what's really informed my inquiry about leadership And another part has been much more personal um, because I realized when I was about 40, which was 13 years ago, that um, publicly a lot of people saw me as a leader. You know, I would even sometimes um, receive acknowledgement or awards or things for things, work that I had done. Um, But what I realized was that inwardly I didn't think of myself as a leader. Oh, really? And I thought, well, that's kind of incongruent. 
And I imagined that that disparity between how I was being seen and how I saw myself might be getting in my way. And so I really set about to learn more about why that differential might exist. And, and then, um, as uh, folks may know, I, I started developing from my own experience personally uh, um, a, a training for women, a six-day training for women, um, because I found that the things that I was learning for myself, every time I would tell other women about them, um, I would see women sh- nodding their heads all around me. Mm-hmm. And I began to understand that perhaps my learning might have application and be useful for others. Um, and, and specifically, as we started offering the women's leadership training, mm-hmm. um, what I saw was that women would say, well, of course I'd love to come study with a group of uh, committed and smart and engaged women, but I'm not so sure about this leadership thing. And what I began to understand was that I think we have an inherited definition of leadership that's based on our cultural and life experience. And that definition, I think, is not only not serving us, but I think it's uh, a major obstacle to all of us taking as big a stance as we can and being as effective change makers as we can at this moment when the earth and her living systems and all of our social systems actually need our leadership perhaps more than ever before well, to really shift our that. course. And so, so, you know, when you ask why redefine leadership, what I realized is that we have a definition that many of us may not even be aware of or may not have ever noticed or questioned um, which says that leaders generally lead from the front of the room. Mm. They often have some sort of expertise or authority that's been conferred on them, either through their position or through graduate degrees. Um, and they often position themselves as experts in one way or another. Right. And leadership, as we've come to understand it, I think, has largely been a very solitary pursuit. And often it's been motivated by either ego or greed. Mm. And what I began to realize was that most women, and I think most of us in general, don't really aspire to that kind of life. You know, our leadership models, I think our inherited ones, have also included overwork to the exclusion of all other facets of our lives and a quality of self-sacrifice, which, you know, this is a nuanced question because in a way, once you step into a really purposeful life, it gets busy, I think. But, and, and it does demand a lot of us. But, um, but I don't want to perpetuate the leadership model that says it's got to be solo, it's got to be self-sacrificial, and it, it tends to fundamentally reinforce a hierarchical approach that often is disrespectful to others you may want to be working with or even to the communities or constituencies that some leaders are there to serve. So it sounds to me like what you're saying is that um, leadership is not a role designation but a way of being. 
But a way of being? But a way of being. Well, I think that that's true. And I think I would even take it a step further and say that leadership, in my experience, is not something you achieve and then you're done. Mm-hmm. Rather, and nor is it something that you're born into. Mm-hmm. I, I actually believe that um, leadership is a practice that I hope to be cultivating until the day I die. Mm-hmm. And, and I think all of us, you know, I don't think some of us are naturally leaders and others of us are naturally followers. Mm-hmm. I think that each of us has a very specific calling and a kind of assignment or a purpose mm-hmm. that really we were born to fulfill. Right, right. So talk to me about how this acknowledgement for you in your own life, you know, when you began to really explore you know, how this is affecting you, acknowledging this previous definition, inherited definition, as you call it. So what has shifted for you? Well, a great deal has shifted. Um, and, and I think in order to answer that, I, I need to bring in another element, which is the role of story to our own leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big revelatory moments in my own journey was when somebody gave me an assignment to write the story of my relationship to Bioneers. Mm-hmm. And um, Bioneers, for anyone who might not know, is an organization that um, my husband and I have really been shepherding and, and mm-hmm. caretaking and evolving for 20 years. That's all about um, featuring extraordinary solutions to our most pressing environmental and social challenges. And um, what I realized was that I inwardly had a story that I was supporting Kenny's vision. Oh, really? And nobody else saw it that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, as soon as I saw that I had written that and I realized that somewhere in me I believed that, I knew that I had the keys to my own liberation. So, um, So let me just find what you asked me, <laughs> which was how has this played so out in how, my life? Well, how, we is, how, is, how have you shifted? How has this shifted you as you have well, been I, exploring this? I think what I've realized is that the more that I can surface m- the stories that I carry within myself and my own unconscious assumptions, and the more that I can willingly choose to develop those leadership skills where I want to be stronger and appreciate those aspects of myself that I might not have previously appreciated, all of that feels like it's strengthening me as an instrument to serve the purpose that I feel I'm here for. So there's this wonderful feeling of like, um, you know, I I sort of imagine myself as a stringed instrument Mm -hmm. and that the more that I you know, tune myself, and the more that I take care of the wood, the better the sound is that I was designed to carry. Mm. Um, and, and it's interesting because I think there are two big payoffs, at least in my life, one of which is that I, I have a new experience of what it is to be generative in terms of shifting my attention from being responsive to other people's needs and to the needs of the world around me all the time to realizing that 
there is this sense of purpose that's very alive in me, and that if I am true to that, then my life becomes more joyful and more fulfilling and I think more effective. Mm. And so that's a big payoff. It's a big payoff. That's a yeah. huge payoff. So you talk about the previous or inherited definition of leadership um, with the assumption being that leaders lead from the front of the room and that position and title is conferred upon them. Um, so what is the new definition? What's the new language hmm. to put around that? Well, I, I think I would even add to that those, those um, core ideas that you just reflected, that mm-hmm. um, our inherited model of leadership leads from the head. And mm-hmm. I think that the new model of leadership leads from a combination of our various intelligences. Mm-hmm. So it, I think... I think that women and some men are really uh, modeling these new forms of leadership. And sometimes I refer to it as leadership from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been editing a book that will be out in the fall, and it's call, it'll be called Moonrise, The Power of Women Leading from the Heart. Mm. And, uh, and even that's too simplistic. But... My, my notion is that this new kind of leadership emerges from a place of actually knowing yourself and knowing oneself fairly well and really claiming a, a quality of responsibility for both appreciating your gifts and strengthening the parts of yourself that you want to strengthen mm. and that you know your purpose calls you to. Mm. Um, I think this new leadership stems from a kind of inner authority rather than from degrees or positions or titles. Right. You know, and, and I think it's that sort of um, voice inside of all of us that says, this is something I have to do. I just have to do it. And sometimes I think that that, that voice is strengthened from both our outrage at witnessing things that we know are wrong and that we're not going to sit by and let happen on our watch. And sometimes I think it's strengthened by our love and how much we love our community, our children, you know, our, the natural world. Um, so, and, and then another important piece of this new leadership is that it's very often collaborative and not solo. And so it acknowledges um, the power of connection. Mm-hmm. And it recognizes that many of the things that um, have, I think, for hundreds of years been devalued in our collective cultures, like um, empathic connection mm-hmm. and uh, generosity, um, are actually qualities that the new leadership really calls us to cultivate and claim and be proud of and, um, and get really good at. Mm-hmm. And I think the power of connection is not only about sharing authority and sometimes leading in a group, but sometimes leading from within a collective or even behind or out of sight, you know. And, um, and often I think this new leadership involves a generosity of spirit 
that really means you put the needs of the of the whole mm. first, mm. and and you care about raising up young people behind you, mm. um, to and and treating them not as you know the young up and comers, but really from a place of respect that acknowledges that the youngers among us and the elders among us have an equal amount to learn from each other. Mm. Well, and that certainly, that last statement you made certainly doesn't exist in most organizations these days, especially if they're corporate organizations um, in, in, you know, throughout the business world, that the youngers and the elders have a lot to learn from each other. Um, I have seen in organizations where the idea of pushing out the older generation comes from um, c- comes from many places in the organization. But I've also seen um, the older generation or the current generation not so much appreciating what the younger generation has to bring forth. You know, so it's a it's a dance that um, has to be explored and. Um, I want to talk about this a little bit more when we come back right after this break. Arise from your sleep, Africa. Rise from your sleep, America. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Have you heard about sustainable investing? Simply put, it's investing in companies that commit to a resource to enhance the quality of life so it is not depleted or permanently damaged. And that means that resource will be around to benefit for the future. Join host Kara McMillan for Demand More, a program that will take you behind the scenes of sustainable investing. You'll learn to create wealth and feel great about it. In this economic period, you can lead, follow, or run away. It's your choice. Tune in Tuesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And welcome back to Leading Conversations. We're speaking with Nina Simons today. Nina, we've been talking about leadership and um, kind of a new version of leadership, you know, really rethinking what it could look like. Before we went to break, um, we looked at, and you said, that um, the 
believe that the youngers and the elders, people who are young into the role of leadership and people who are elder or who have experience in the role of leadership have a lot to learn from one another. And, um, you know, that doesn't always happen these days. How do we get people to really embrace that? Well, I think it's a great, a great question. You know, I tend to think of myself as being a culture doctor because I actually believe that one of the most effective ways we can change the world is by transforming our culture. And there are so many aspects of our culture that we have inherited that are fundamentally unhealthy and destructive. And I think that our hierarchy, our, our tendency to rely and lean on a hierarchical structure yeah. um, in a way that's fundamentally disrespectful mm-hmm. is one aspect of that. Mm-hmm. You know, in a similar way, I'm finding that as I grow older, I want to confront head-on the notion that women as they age become invisible. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to carry my dignity and my joy and my... Um, uh, my my lust for life with me as long as I'm on two feet. Mm. Um, so, you know, I think we all have an opportunity to challenge those aspects of our culture, even perhaps especially because they tend to be invisible if they're not explicitly named and explicitly worked to transform. Right, right. So I, I, I don't mean to say that that's easy. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I recognize this is a tall order, but honestly, yeah. if we don't do it, how is it going to change? How is it going to change exactly? So you know, there are. I mean, as you say that, what I think is that there are a lot of things in place in our culture that are um, designed to keep the status quo, and so we're not only pushing against um, a belief system. We're pushing against actions. We're pushing against structures that support the the belief. Um, We are pushing against even um, reward systems that, you know, maintain the status quo. So where do you start? Well, I think we all have to start with ourselves. You know, on some level, I, I, I think you're wise to point out that this, whole thing spans from the deep innermost essence of our being, our inner story and our consciousness to our, you know, to our, our close relations, our family, our friends, our loved ones, mm-hmm. um, all the way out to our institutions and our government. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the place to start is with ourselves, because if we don't change our relationship to ourselves, then how can we possibly hope to be effective at changing anything outside? Mm. And, so, and I think, you know, it was a very, a lot of what we're talking about here, Cheryl, at the risk of, um, you know, saying a word that I know has a lot of baggage, a lot of what we're talking about is the residual effects of several hundred years of patriarchal culture, mm. right, which is not Not to say that it's men's fault. It's just the culture we've inherited. And it is, it does involve biases that have been so deeply embedded in every aspect of our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of why, what I've been coming to understand about 
the uniqueness of what we're doing with the women's leadership training and with the book that I'm coming out with and with the programming that we do throughout Bioneers is that it's really about recognizing the connection between our inner world and our outer effectiveness as leaders. And it was sort of startling to me to realize at one point in my studies that um, according to the Jungian perspective, um, you know, Carl Jung, the psychologist uh, who really pioneered a whole realm of of psychology, um, he said that the inner was always associated with the feminine and the outer has always been associated with the masculine. Now, there are some obvious biological reasons for that, right, right? Right. But if you think about it in terms of how we have tended to devalue our inner lives right. and, you know, hypervalue or legitimize our outer lives, right. I think that's something that we need to repair. Mm. And I think we do it one at a time with our own deep work to start. Well, it certainly seems like, I mean, taking that um, analogy one step further, it certainly seems like um, there's something in our culture, and maybe even globally, that is beginning to break down around the focus on the outer. Um, It seems like that part of the culture is um, in some sort of losing battle, whether it be in the corporate structures that aren't working, um, the way that things are becoming so much more transparent, the things that used to go on behind the scenes that suddenly are being visible and not always in a good way. Um, and it, it seems like there is some sort of breakdown. And what I, you know, my own personal bias is that, and that, that piece of the culture is fighting for its very life. And you bet. So it's not, it doesn't, just because we see it breaking down doesn't mean it's going to ultimately implode and break down, but that this may be an opening for something new to arise. Well, I think that that's exactly true, and I think that if each of us listens carefully, there is something new that wants to emerge from each of us, mm-hmm. and I think we are all a part of that emergence. You know, and it's an interesting question how we position ourselves in relation to that emergence because part of what I've found is that our culture really trains us to focus on the negative much more than the positive. Mm. You know, um, there's no mathematical difference between a glass that's half empty or a glass that's half full. Mm-hmm. But aren't we so much better at criticism than we are at appreciation? That is unfortunately very true. Yeah, but, you know, uh, nothing we can't change with attention and practice. And so for me, you know, as, as a lot of my learning has come through the environmental movement, what I've seen is there's a tendency to learn about how big our problems are out there and say, oh, my God, they're just too big for me to do anything about, so I'm just not going to really engage. Mm-hmm. And I think that that creates a disconnection within ourselves. And I think that um, I think that when we choose to focus on the parts of us that want to be born and that are creative and emergent, um, there are amazing things mm. that are being done all over the world. Right. You know, I just I just had the privilege of participating in uh, the UN conference on the status of women. Mm. And I got to go to a panel that was kind of um, astonishing in that one by one the presenters were reporting on the changes 
in their particular region of the world. So there was a woman from Australia, and there was a woman from the EU, and they were talking about the typical measures for women's status within a society. So they were talking about women in governance and women on corporate boards, and basically each one would report these tiny incremental changes from the year before. And yes, they are improvements, but they're so far from where we have to get to. Right. And, and from real gender equity, which is really, I'm coming to understand, this isn't a single issue thing. This is a human rights issue. Mm. And this is about how do we live as a healthy species on this planet. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then this woman from India got up, and she talked about how in India, instead of pushing against the existing 30% women share of parliament, they decided to create a women's parliament. And they went through the entire process of electing women from all 27 states, and 540 women across India were elected to the women's parliament. Oh, wow. and, and then they designed their own governance that had extraordinary democratic principles, you know, like women who didn't serve their constituencies' desires and wills could be replaced. And and they created their own budget that was based on a gross happiness index instead of a gross national product. Right, right. And they were able, of course, to shift all this <clears throat> support from military and weaponry to social services and health and education. And, and they released their budget, their alternate budget, to great media fanfare a month before the other parliament was meeting. Mm-hmm. And I just was so spine-tinglingly excited by that example of how we have an opportunity now, all of us, to help create the world that's going to survive and that's emergent as the old systems are crumbling and failing. And I think what you say, Cheryl, is exactly right. You know, my metaphor is that it's like the flailing tail of a dying dinosaur. (laughs) You know, it can do a whole lot of damage. And it is fighting for its survival. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it has a lot of years of entropy and history behind it. Right. right. But it's also got to go. It's so clear. Yeah. And what you say about how, you know, the the current measurements, the metrics, um, how really, you know, we are simply measuring the old way of doing things. It's yeah. not, you know, I mean, so so we, we end up with quote-unquote gender equality, meaning the number of women in leadership roles in corporations and governments equal the number of men. You know, we're still in that governance model that supports um, this old way of being. And you're talking about a whole new way of being. You're talking about a whole, um, it's really an emerging revolution in leadership. (laughs) It is indeed. I mean, in a way, it's an extension of what Bioneers calls a revolution from the heart of nature. You know, and indigenous peoples have long maintained that actually we need to lead from our hearts, Mm. that our minds should be servants to our hearts. Mm. And, you know, increasingly science is proving that our, how much more powerful in affecting our entire physiology our hearts are than our minds. 
So it's an interesting thing, you know, um, challenging the status quo. It's very empowering once you kind of get the knack of it. <laughs> so I love what you just said, so, so that, that, scientists are, that our minds should be servants to our hearts. Yeah. So talk about that relative to how one shows up as a leader whose mind is a servant to one's heart. Uh, okay. Well, I think, again, part of our inherited cultural, cultural assumption is that our greatest human faculty is our mind. And therefore, we, you know, we imagine we can strategize our way through anything. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, the thing that is my greatest source of um, authority and of sustenance is tapping into how deeply I care. Mm. And, you know, for years I, I began to realize that I was actually scared to write about how much I love nature mm-hmm. and how much I love life. Because so much of our acculturated learning says, well, you don't want to say that in public. It makes you really vulnerable. Um, But in fact, I think it's where my real strength and power lies. And it doesn't mean that I don't have a great mind. I love my mind, and I'm really happy that I'm a synthesizer and I have a great imagination and, you know, all these things about my mind. But, Mm. um, But actually... It's my passion for the vision that I want of the world I want to live in and the world that I want my life to be given to co-creating. That is my greatest source of strength. Mm-hmm. Mm. I Does love that make that. sense? It makes perfect sense, you know. And so I think, well, then what is it we need to be teaching um, young people mm. now? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yes, and I want to get to, um, you know, what do we what do we need to learn as as adult leaders? But if we go all the way back and, and say, you know, we're grooming leaders as young people, so yeah. what do we need to be teaching them? Well, I think we need to teach them not to betray themselves. Mm. You know, there's a beautiful book that just came out from Eve Ensler, and it's a series of monologues that she wrote about teenage girls. And it's called I Am an Emotional Creature, the hidden, uh, the hidden lives of, of teenage girls around the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that our young people often, through the course of school and acculturated learning, they get taught that they shouldn't be too um, optimistic or idealistic. Right. You know, they, they learn from a very early age by being inundated with advertising that they should be really cynical mm. and that they shouldn't trust their hearts. Right. And, of course, boy children are taught that they shouldn't express emotion. Right. And girl children are taught that they shouldn't express their dreams, their visions, and their intuitions mm. and their hearts, you know. Yeah. Yeah. They get accused of being too dramatic. And so I think that our young people, we need to create opportunities for our young people to, um, not, to feel supported and not alone in wanting to change the world mm. and in bringing the full power 
of their optimism and their enthusiasm and their energy to the task and not try to damp them down. Right. You know, it's one of my very favorite experiences at Bioneers is when young people come up to me and they say, you know, before this, I couldn't imagine anything I could do for a living that would help contribute to changing the world. And now I'm coming away with 12 new options to explore, and I'm so excited, and I don't feel alone anymore. Wow. And, you know, I think, so I think learning about how many options are out there and, and not quelling our dreams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really um, supporting the creative you know, which, as you say, yeah. we tend to squelch in kids in many, many ways, and, and sometimes in very subtle ways. Um, we think we're helping them to um, be realistic, you know, so as not to experience disappointment in life. And the reality is we're just squelching their creative side. They can see things in a different way than what is. So we have well, more to you know talk what? about. Uh, yep. I was just going to say, I mean, what you're saying is so true, Cheryl, because part of why I realized that I was undervaluing my own leadership was because it was largely creative and relational. And creative and relational are things we all learn to undervalue in our culture. And I think those are the aspects that are most called for in our leadership across the boards, whether we're men or women at this time. Makes perfect sense. So we have more to talk about with Nina Simons when we come right back. Arise from your sleep, Africa. Rise from your sleep, America. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. We're speaking with Nina Simons today. Nina, you have an amazing background um, that has brought you to this place in your life where you are truly owning your own, the leader in you, and the leader in you, um, you say, looks different than the leadership story that has been part of the culture, certainly the culture in the U.S. Would you say it's culture around the world, that, that story we've been referring to? 
Well, I think there are different permutations of it all over the world. And in a sense, you know, what I've come to understand is that as women in the U.S., we are privileged to have much less hardship and less uh, difficulty and less violence against us than women in many other parts of the world. But, but yes, I do think that the bias that we're talking about and that cultural um, tendency and that inherited version of leadership mm-hmm. may be worldwide. I'm not really sure, but it yeah. may well be. Yeah. So let's talk about um, the kind of one of the things that I've always struggled with, and, and that is the idea of women's leadership mm-hmm. and men's leadership. Mm-hmm and how even in this year of 2010, we are still talking about women's leadership, and we still take women outside of their everyday life to teach them leadership, specifically women's leadership. When are we going to get past having to do that? And why is it still necessary? Oh, well... I think it's necessary for a number of reasons, and and um, and I ask myself this question all the time because, on the one hand, just the fact that someone is in a female body doesn't mean that she's going to lead in any different way than somebody in a male body. Sure. And I do believe that we all have masculine and feminine within us, mm-hmm. and that our leadership cultivation is often about developing our capacities to call on any of our human capacities at any given time, regardless of whether we associate it with the, quote, masculine or the, quote, feminine. However, that being said, I think we are all products of a culture that has left us somewhat damaged. And I think that we've all been damaged in different ways. I think that men have been damaged by our culture, um, in that they are often not given adequate permission to feel or to uh, express or to collaborate Mm -hmm. um, and not compete. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that women have been damaged by our culture in a million ways, you know, and I I just think that, uh, mindful or not, from very early ages, we are all given messages about the value of women as compared to the value of men, mm-hmm. and ways that we have um, internalized those messages that we actually need to recover from. Mm. And I would even go further and say that, you know, we live in a society that has a lot of racism built into it structurally. Mm-hmm. And whether we personally are racist or not is not really the question. The question is, do we care enough about making our society into a fair place where people are valued and nourished and cultivated regardless of the color of their skin? Mm -hmm. If we care enough, then we need to change those systems. Mm -hmm. And um, so to get back to your question, why women's leadership, I think that there is great value in being among people of a shared experience. Mm-hmm. in learning how to heal from those culturally assimilated kinds of uh, bruises and wounds. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, there's something that happens when women are alone that mm-hmm. actually doesn't happen wi- in mixed-gender company. Mm-hmm. 
and it's very powerful and very transformative. Well, what is it? <laughs> well, we get permission to talk about what our shared experience is. Mm. We get permission to surface some of our um, assumptions and also some of our dreams. Mm. And, and part of what we do in our women's leadership training is to give women a visceral experience of what it's like to be among a community of diverse women who are both supportive but also rigorous mm. in supporting each other's mm-hmm. leadership and dreams and visions. Mm-hmm. And that's not an experience that I had had much of before doing this work. Mm-hmm. And once you've had that experience, what I've learned from women who've taken the training is that they go on to form women's circles. Mm-hmm. They go on to treat women differently because they've learned to treat themselves differently. Mm-hmm. And it can ultimately transform every aspect of your life. And I think that if you were to speak to women of color and say, you know, the idea behind this is it's commonly called caucus work. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is value to it in Mm -hmm. surfacing invisible assumptions and in a kind of personal and more collective healing and strengthening. And so it seems to me that, that this may be the first step in a process, that having women have that experience, that shared experience, to understand they're not alone, to understand there's a different way of being, to um, really build that sense of confidence in them to then go out. Um, it seems that there's a next step, and that next step would have to do with so if you're going out into this culture that has not previously supported this new way of being, um, there must be some way to teach others who are in that culture about this. So what's that step? Well, actually, I think it's more about the being than the doing. Mm-hmm. I think it's about behaving differently. You know, in my experience, Cheryl, I have learned so much from so many mentors, most of whom have never known that they were mentoring me. Mm-hmm. You know, my experience has been that listening and feeling into and experiencing relating with people who I admire mm-hmm. has transformed me. Mm-hmm. And that once you turn a lens into how to cultivate your own leadership, um, the opportunities are abundant. And I think that as we begin to treat ourselves and each other differently, it's very obvious. People notice. People notice that you're different. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and I guess the other thing that I want to add, Cheryl, is that while we've both noted that this is difficult and that it's probably a process that's going to go on a lot longer than any of our individual lives, mm-hmm. it's also a moment of opportunity that may have never existed before. Right. You know? There's more openness to change because there's so much frustration with what's not working in the world, and there's so much anger, and there's so much, you know, there's so much pain um, that I think there's a great deal more openness than there's been in the past. And so what is your hope? How will we know 
what are the indicators? How will we know that things are really shifting? Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, I, I can only extrapolate from my own experience mm-hmm. and say that it never fails to amaze me how when I change inwardly, mm-hmm. things change around me. Isn't that funny how that happens? It's amazing. I mean, I, I really never would have believed the extent to which I have found it to be true. Mm. Um, and I think that there is um, a real basis to that beautiful quote, which I think comes from June Jordan, that, you know, that since has been echoed by Sweet Honey and the Rock and by the Dalai Lama, that we are the ones we've been waiting for. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I just think the most joyful, exciting, effective way I know to live my life is to encourage that uprising of leadership in everyone I come in contact with. Mm-hmm. Um, by my own example, not by, not by a prescription of what I'm supposed to do. Right, right. Well, and you know, um, I find it interesting because this, um, what is required of us, no matter whom, who we are, no matter what it is we want to change, it requires us to step up. And so no longer can any of us hide behind, well, you know, the structure gets in the way or um, they, they won't let me, the big they. Um, you know, what you're saying is, you know, time to step up and um, cannot have any of these what I call convenient, though real and formidable, convenient excuses. Well, I think that's exactly right. And it's, you know, it's so, I I mean, for 40 years of my life, I blamed every obstacle I came in contact with to something out there. Mm -hmm. And I projected it onto structures and people that I, in retrospect, I don't really think was where it it was coming from. Mm -hmm. You know, I really think it was mine. Mm -hmm. And, And I think... You know, one of the big lessons for me, um, I once heard an extraordinary woman leader, a woman named Diane Wilson, who's an activist on the Texas Gulf Coast, and she uh, went up against multinational chemical corporations and actually got them to sign zero discharge agreements in defense of the bay that she loved so much. And she's a woman with a high school education who is just indomitable. And she once said at a Bioneers conference, she said, the way that I know that I'm on track is that I smell my fear and I head straight for it. And at the time, I remember thinking, what a lot of crap. That just (laughs) sounds so macho, and I really didn't believe it. And then I went home, and I kept thinking about it and thinking about it, and I realized that, as I mentioned earlier, you know, the things that I care most deeply about are the things that bring up the biggest fear in me about expressing. And so, in a way, choosing to step up is about reclaiming ourselves first Mm. and choosing to accept the parts of ourselves that we have made small and choosing to accept them and nurture them back into wholeness and into health so that we can live from a fully informed, fully capacity-filled place. So it sounds like we really have to get underneath some of those self-limiting beliefs we have. And, um, and I've heard you call it um, internalized oppression. You know, so we, have, we have taken it in and said yes to it, essentially, and that we no longer 
can't say yes to that. Well, and I don't even think that it's as conscious as saying yes to it. Mm-hmm. I think we've just been raised with the expectation of it, mm-hmm. and we haven't had anybody sort of shake us awake to say, if you re-examine this, you can choose to shed it. Mm-hmm. And what an extraordinary opportunity that is. Yeah. Yeah. Because it well, gives us a chance to step out of our own box and live in a much bigger, more fulfilling way. If there was one thing that you could tell women about, you know, how to put their foot on the path to begin this journey, what would you say? Mm. Uh, I would say listen for the voice inside you because it never lies. Mm. And learn to value it. Yeah. And honestly, I don't know that there are any, you know, silver bullet panaceas, but practice is the best way I know to change who we are. Well, and and that makes perfect sense. Yeah, it seems to be baby steps. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I have, you know, set my sights on a goal and just had baby steps, incremental change, really doubting, wondering if anything's happening, and then one day, months later, I realize I wake up and I'm different. So I think having patience with ourselves also is really important. Oh, that, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, More practice I need there. Uh, (laughs) Me too. So I know that, uh, Nina, you have created a place for women to um, begin developing that practice in the form of retreats. Talk a little bit about that in the last couple minutes we have here. Sure. Well, about four and a half, five years ago, we started uh, developing a retreat, and I developed it in collaboration with two partners initially, and then just one, um, with a woman named Toby Hertzlick, who is a Rockwood Leadership Institute trainer. And uh, initially, for the first few times, we collaborated and worked with Akaya Winwood, who's the CEO of the Rockwood Leadership Institute. And we developed um, an experience that's a six-day um, training that's residential, and it's designed for uh, women of any age, of any background, of any ethnicity. And we intentionally select women. Um, we ask women to apply for it, and we select women with the intention of having really diverse ages and ethnicities and life experiences present within the group. And it's generally 18 to 24 women, and we'll be doing one um, coming up in April at uh, the Westerbeck Retreat Center in Sonoma. And um, I really want to invite folks, if they're interested, to uh, send an email to women at org, or you can go onto our Bioneers website and look under programs under women's leadership, and you'll find information about it there. And so there's one in Sonoma that's April 25th to 30th, and another this year in northern New Mexico that's July 19th to 24th. That sounds wonderful. I know both of those retreat centers are beautiful and a great place to do some, uh, shall we say, deep diving into self. And um, I can only imagine that Nina, you, and Toby together facilitating this um, will create an environment that is rich and open and um, loving. 
Sal. I really believe that the work you're doing is so powerful. And it's because you have been willing to step up and believe the voice in you that this culture will begin to change one step at a time with the women who choose to work with you. Well, thank you, Cheryl. I mean, I I don't begin to profess to know all the answers or to even to be any kind of expert. Honestly, I feel like, like all of us, I'm learning my way one step at a time. But it's an incredible honor and privilege and such a joy to do this work. I mean, part of what I've discovered is that there's nothing that lights me up as much as um, helping unleash greater capacity in women and people of all genders and all ages, actually. <laughs> so it's really exciting, and thank you. That's great. Nina, it's been great having you here today. We love the work you're doing, and I'm sure we will have another opportunity to have you back on Leading Conversations. So everybody, please remember to think big, because the world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week.